2: Hello and welcome to All Stats, aren't we? A podcast in which Leeds fans cast their combined eye over goings-on at Ellen Road, giving scrutiny to the underlying statistics and tactical footings at work at Leeds United. I'm Tom Oldson, the massive spacing behind the full-back of the podcast, Leeds United are back in business. And I'm joined today by the going 2-0 down to a team nearly relegated last season of the podcast, Dan Holdsworth, Leeds United are back in business. And finally, I'm joined by the injury time equaliser of the podcast, Leeds United are well and truly back in beast business, business. Everyone, it's Tom Hostykundel. How are well, you, you Hosty? Just back
3: in Beeston there, didn't you?
2: <laughs> back in Beeston. <beasting>, oh, they are back <laughs> in
3: Beaston as well. On, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm good. Uh, mm. Been a been a tiring few days, so I've I've been away traveling Ireland, going to Brussels, seeing bands and singing on karaoke, basically. And then today I've got back and had to blitz the house uh, so that basically I'm putting my house up for sale. So I had the photographer in this afternoon and getting that photographer ready for putting your house on for sale is getting it cleaner than it was when you moved in basically so yeah no not too bad uh, yeah. how about you
2: yeah i'm good thanks just a bit tired like i'm I'm currently training for a for a half marathon so i'm i basically i've for like about two years i've not run more than maybe five miles occasionally and i ran nine miles yesterday and my body knows that i <laughs> ran nine miles yesterday today um so i've, I've struggled all day to be honest but will get there and if, i've still got about 10 weeks as well so sh- i should hopefully get used to it how about you dan how are you doing
0: i was uh, i'm good mate good i was def- literally back in beasting yesterday and that was nice to be back so yeah uh good fun i actually really enjoyed
2: it so there we go so
0: but nothing interesting yeah. i'm not selling i'm not selling a house i'm not running a half marathon alas i wish
2: i could but my hips won't let me so yeah i don't think my knees are let- letting me at the moment no. actually they so they kill today yeah, but, yeah, I, I actually found I really enjoyed the game yesterday as well. I think yeah. the, the, most people I spoke to found that they, they enjoyed it, despite it being back in the championship. So maybe there's a lesson there. Uh, let's start with the news then. So I'll start with an incoming first. Obviously, we've all seen the game. We know who this incoming is. So Sam Byram, he's been training with Leeds all, all summer, really, playing a few friendlies, but obviously played against Cardiff. So what do we make of this one then, Dan?
0: I was a bit of like a bit of a shoulder shrug, really. I wasn't bothered either way. Nice to have some depth, but I was just can't be a bit more ambitious. But actually, I thought he was quite good when he came on yesterday. So I'm a bit more positive having actually watched him now. So yeah, fairly happy. We need cover. We need depth. I, but one one good thing about Barham is he's, he's quite experienced now, isn't he? We've got a young squad, so just an extra kind of older head in there is probably probably handy as well. So good on that front.
2: Yeah, I definitely agree with that, and I think I've kind of not adjusted to the fact that Sam Barrym isn't like a youngster. Hmm. Like I've just, I've just, he's, he left Leeds. I ignored him for the whole time he wasn't at Leeds, and I've come back, and in my head he's still like twenty four. Yeah. So like, actually, you know he's quite an experienced fullback who can do a job on both sides. So yeah, I'm, I'm feeling quite good about it, and especially after watching the Cardiff game. Hostie, what about you?
3: Yeah, I don't know. I think he's. Uh, I think the managers he's had since he left leads have also ignored him to be fair he hasn't played that much um but no i think it's a it's a safe signing you know it's free it's a one-year deal adds a bit of depth and hopefully like we've said before it means that um i think it was said last week maybe we don't have to buy for those areas now and that money can be used elsewhere where we probably need it and so i think it's a smart safe signing in that sense and yeah he came on yesterday and did a good job so
2: Yeah, and speaking of money, we might be getting in then. So, uh, Tyler Adams looking like he's probably going to go to Chelsea. Posty, what do you make of that one?
3: I'm all for this transfer. I've been quite vocal on it on Twitter before there was any really strong links for him leaving. Um, This isn't that I don't like Tyler Adams. I think he's obviously a fantastic ball winner defensively as a midfielder. He's great and he's athletic in that sense and he can get around the pitch. Um, His on-ball stuff isn't as good. Isn't really that great, more or less. Um, it's average, and I think that his injury that he's got, we know that it's a muscular injury in his legs, a hamstring sort of thing, and that can be really tough to recover from. We've seen players before, like uh, as an example, like Michael Owen, who came back and was never able to get to his full sprint speed again because he was scared of it popping. And yeah, I think if we can get, if you can get twenty million for a player whose hamstring has absolutely been shredded this past few months. It's smart business when you're in the championship and you can get three or four players for twenty million. Then, and we don't, we, there's no guarantee he's going to come back the player that he was last season. Um, and I fear that if we take him on as the player from last season, then oh, sorry, if we don't sell him and we expect him to come back at that and he doesn't, we're ending up going to just like make he's going to end up seeing out his contract go back to the MLS because he can't run anymore.
2: Yeah, it's it's one where I like I don't think any of us. Or like, I think even though quite a few people have been vocal about selling Adams, I don't think it's for the reasons that he's a bad player. Like, he's obviously a good player. He was one of Leeds' best players in um, last season. But you're getting that fee for for him to get players in in the situation we're in, Um, and it's like quite a replaceable output. I think what Adams does for, well, we're hoping Ampadu can do that for seven million. So you then find yourself with thirteen million to improve the squad. So yeah, I think I think it's a positive one. For for the situation we're currently in, what about you, Dan? Anything else uh, you want to add on Tyler Adams?
0: Not really. No, I I, mean, I, I really like Tyler Adams as a player, and I think he'd be quite handy in that kind of right half space, covering you know the right back bombing on type player. I think that's something he that would be good at, actually. I think that would be a, be a strong suit. But for twenty million, you can get you can get what he brings and bring something else for the squad elsewhere. You can buy a centre half as well or strikers, whatever with that money that that we need. So yeah, just just from a business perspective, it makes sense and. Obviously, his hamstring. I just think do it leads. Don't mess around.
2: Absolutely. Um, and then one player that we might be getting in on the back of that Adam's money, if it comes in, is Greek International. And I'm going to butcher this name, but Pat- Panteles Chatsidiakos. I think that was a good attempt. Pretty good. That's one of my better ones there.
3: Chatsidiakos was going to be how long. Yeah, Chatsidiakos. Yeah. There, we can all do it. Well done, everybody. There we go. Right, we're yeah, not we, saying it
2: again now. some just called plates, anyway. <laughs> Yamas. There we go. Um, so um, so he's coming from AZ Alkmaar. Uh, he's a centre-back who's also capable of playing right back. And the fees estimated are about two to three million as he's in the final year of his contract. Does anyone know anything about him?
0: I can only repeat what Thomas Wilson, uh, focused That'll on Lee said, um, was he's playing for AZ Alkmaar. He's played most of their games. It's a pretty good level. Um, he's a good ball-playing centre-back. And that's about as much as he said. So,
2: yeah, I mean that's fine. I mean I'm more positive on someone that can pass the ball than what was it called? Nat Phillips coming from Liverpool for ten million. So, the only worrying thing is that didn't someone? I think someone put the Wikipedia extract him for him today in our chat, and he's like he's had like quite major injuries. So but two, two, three millions.
0: I think he's had two full seasons without a major injury there. So perhaps past that, I guess two years ago, maybe it might've been a really risky signing, but it looks like he's perhaps over those injuries.
3: Yeah. And again, with like why we're saying regarding the Adams fee, you selling for 20, you're only paying two to three million here for a position that we need. Um, and that means that we've got two more positions that we need and we've got 17 million from one sale, which means, you know, we've brought in three players for that one sale. Um, so that, that, for me, is why selling Adams for £20 million makes sense. Totally, yeah.
2: And M- Martin has uh, let us know that he will be doing an article on on Pantelis as well. So you, can, if you sign it's it's up the to the Patreon... What's his surname? Pa- Come on. Pantelis Chatsidiakos. Okay, well but I'm just, I've, I've got I've got lucky ones. I don't want to do it <laughs> you again. You didn't find that,
0: mate.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But never again. i it now. Um, so Martin will be doing an article on him over at, on the Pablo tier of our Patreon. So if you... Uh, If that sounds like something that you'd be interested in, then go and check out the Patreon. I'll plug it at the end um, because the details are lower down in the running order and I can't be bothered to scroll. Is that everything news-wise then from Leeds? Should we move on to reviewing the Cardiff game? Good stuff. So we'll start as we um, always do, a bit out of practice with this, but we're starting with a game summary. So the, the game started with Leeds holding the majority of the possession. They were attacking well but struggling to create good opportunities. And then around the 15th minute, Leeds managed to break through Cardiff's defence and had a flurry of shots through Nonto, Somerville and Archie Gray. However, the first goal that came, the game came from Cardiff, take advantage of the space provided by a communication error, and they burst down the left flank through uh, Calamo Dowder, who crossed it into the box. The initial shot was blocked, but then a follow-up shot was hit low through a crowded box by Josh Bowler into the bottom corner to make it 1-0 Cardiff. Leeds continued to hold the majority of the possession in the game, getting to many dangerous positions, but the next break crew came from Cardiff. They once again attacked quickly on the counter, resulting in a similar situation to the first goal, but with a lucky deflection which Ailing was slow to react to, leaving Ugbo to convert from very close range to make it 2-0. In the second half, Leeds dominated, uh, continually looking to break through Cardiff's defence. This eventually bore fruit when Liam Cooper headed home a Somerville cross from a corner to make the score 2-1. However, this effort saw Cooper land awkwardly and be stretched off with an ankle injury. The game followed a similar pattern, with Leeds dominating all the action, and eventually in injury time, Crescencio Somerville equalised in the 96th minute from a well-hit shot just outside the Cardiff box, and the game ended 2-2. Let's get into the questions um, to talk about this game then. So, yeah, this is the section of the pod where I ask the guys a series of questions. Um, and we're just trying to get into the details of the game and work out what, why, what happened happened basically. So, Hostie, I will start with you for question one. Were we bad in the first half, or were Cardiff good?
3: Yeah, I don't, I don't think we were bad, and I also don't think Cardiff were good. Um, I feel, as you said mm-hmm. in the summary, that we lacked that bit of composure in the final third, and then Cardiff's goals basically they looked out on their two goals of uh, they just were basically the only chances that they had. Um, and we'll go into it later on, but the big issue throughout the game really was that the positions and movements being taken up by our forwards um they were sim- ve- they were very similar forwards basically and no one was pushing against the back line to put to stretch the defense in that way um, and that just meant that the final options for the pass were always the same and the runs were always there were no difference in runs or we'd see uh, Somerville and Neonto being quite quite deep off the back line. To come and pick the ball up, um, and then no one was like trying to run in behind, the majority of the time. That that's where I think the issues were. I don't, I don't think that we were bad. I think basically we we were quite the same in the second half. It was that Cardiff changed a little in the second half mainly.
2: Yeah, you've you've arguably got the front four of Leeds who all like to, to, to occupy the same area of the pitch, haven't you? Really, like left wing or left half space, maybe behind the striker a little bit. Um, I guess as well, you, the Leeds are still getting used to. Daniel Farrick style of play and you get used to trying to do that with a, with a striker with, with if that's Bamford or Router. Or and then to go with Nonto there it's just it's another adaption you've got to make isn't it so I guess that's in that first half You if, if you got a goal you were probably thinking we've done well here to get that with the way we're set up. Dan what do you make of this one?
0: yeah I mean credit to Cardiff I thought those two counters were kind of really well executed I thought you know they were kind of decisive when it countered were they so I give them credit you know the 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 first goal it was a good bit of Good bit of movement from um, um, uh, Ramsey. I've lost his name then. Ramsey that kind of drew ailing out. And then O'Dowdder made the big overlapping run. So that was quite smart. This, you know, they took the chance there. Um, and I thought just some just some good interplay with Bowler on the right-hand side. So I just thought two good bits of play. And they got a bit of luck with the second, with the way the ball kind of deflected and squirmed out for the forward to tap in. Um, so I kind of think credit where it's credit's due. You know, it was there were good smash and grab goals. You know, like we've, we've all been there. Our team have nicked a game. They haven't deserved. With those type of goals so credit for that I thought Leeds were a bit one pace first half and this is we'll come on to this you know I, th- I think the, the tempo was better second half which is part of the answer to the next you know some of our later topics so I kind of think that's where it was at really that's first half was fine it was just a bit slow and then we just had a you know a couple of sloppy moments and we tuned all down which was a bit hard but well, it was very harsh on Leeds wasn't it really it was it was a bit of a nothing half really
2: I thought yeah I think that's fair probably a good time as I need to move on to the second question then so What changed in the second half? So we've had a couple of questions on this. Martin, of this podcast, asks, Was the second half changed due to game state? And if not, what was it? And then Josie on Twitter asks, What changed in the second half to make us look far more attacking? Was it anything to do with the sub at left back, or was it just game state mixed with a kick up the bum at half time? So, Dan, you kind of allude into your response. So, do you want to take this one?
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, look, game state certainly because we got the goal, didn't we? Within a couple of minutes or three minutes, whatever. So, yeah, that 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 definitely pushed um, Cardiff back and they kind of sat deeper. I think second half. But like I say, I think we our tempo was a bit better and I think that we our players did a bit more ball carrying. So players were a little bit braver on the lead side. I think you saw you saw Grace or. Um, Ampadu, like some Somerville Sinister dropping deep, picking up and carrying the ball and breaking the first line of press and then playing, so I just thought there was like a general sense of momentum was built into the game and that was just through probably, you know, better ball carrying and, and just being braver and more aggressive on the ball, um, second half so I guess accommodation of game state and, and faster play is probably the way I would, I would say, you know, when we when we had good moments, it was they were a little bit quicker to get it forward, second half, so I think that had uh, like, like a beneficial impact on the, on our attack If you like,
2: I guess like there could be a mixture, but yeah, like you said, a mixture of both. There, like the the game state, I think definitely played into it that we could out, we could kind of camp in their half. But players' ability to sort of carry the ball was probably because Cardiff sat off and gave them the chance to like get the ball, turn, run at them, which just again played favour to our hands, really. So yeah, I think those those were definitely the factors. Sorry, going down.
0: At one point, I thought I thought Ampadu was a bit more aggressive second half. Uh, I think it was quite safe and a lot of uh, a lot of um, horizontal passing first half and just being safe and keeping the ball and playing out to the fullbacks or whatever or you know out to the wingers. Whereas second half I think he turned and, and was looking for more vertical passes in you know into into like Sinister or Somerville coming inside almost um, Red Bull like sorry everybody. In some of those kind of you know up back and through type type play. We saw a bit more of that kind of play. So there was probably a little bit of a... Park probably told Ampedu to be more aggressive and, and I think that was a factor in the kind of sense of momentum, you know, being more with leads. I think. That was probably the slight change in that respect.
3: Yeah, I think a lot of it was game state, in my in my opinion. As I said, I wasn't... I, I more felt that, like you were saying, Tom, um, that the reasons why we were able, we had players carrying more was due to Cardiff sitting back and that came from the fact that we got that really early goal. Um Which came from a corner, which you know we thought we thought we weren't going to really score many of those, so we've got one in one already. Um, So yeah, I felt like that was more what gave us that perception was not that we had more intent on the ball, but more that not more than the first half anyway. Sorry, that was uh, that was my dog shaking there in the background. (laughs) Um, It was more that Cardiff ceased their possession with the ball to us. Um, The change in left back, I don't think. Helde did anything wrong really in the first half i think that the fact that byram came on and plays left back differently to how held had was what made the bit more of a difference so we were more we had more options to do different things on the left hand side now than what we had in the first half um you know byram plays that role a little bit differently he plays it a little bit wider and he has different angles with his passes using his right foot instead of held with his left and i think that's where it created that sort of, uh, that that difference in the second half. And we know that he's a lot more comfortable playing further up the pitch in those areas because we've seen it in the championship with us when he was asked to play right wing for a few games as well and right midfield uh, in, in his really early career with us. And so, yeah, that's that's kind of where I think it kind of, Kind of change was I think it was more actually that left back change rather than anything else in game state.
0: Well, one thing one thing I noticed is on a couple of occasions. I mean Byron was doing the inverting thing that he was doing a little bit, but when when it was on, he would you know he would get on his bike wouldn't he and get up the pitch and there was some really nice kind of kind of interplay, you know, little triangles down the touchline with Byron and and you know Sinister and James or whoever it was drifting out to that side. And yeah, we, we weren't getting that at all from uh, Hielday first half. You know, Hielday was kind of very much holding the central space, wasn't he? As a centre mid really yeah. effectively in possession so yeah yeah I think we just we got more of a hybrid full backstroke inverted from Byron it just offered a bit more dynamism didn't it, on the left yeah I agree with that Tom completely
2: yeah I'd agree with that as well and um, it yeah. leads us nicely onto our third question actually so we've we've touched on sort of what Byron did differently to Hjelda but um, I will just t- uh, touch on Hjelda for a, b- a brief moment so you've both kind of hinted at this but w- would you say uh, Tom that Hjelda was unlucky to be to be uh hooked at half time or do you think it was just a case of we wanted something different and Byron was able to offer us that
3: so i watched the game after everything else had come out so after the game and after the interviews and stuff and it, it was interesting what Farker said that byron played that 4.5 minutes because he didn't think he's got 90 minutes in him yet because he hasn't played a lot um so that made me think is byron actually his first choice was the first thing that that i thought there i do think therefore that's why that change was made initially but it also just, like I said, I don't think he did anything too wrong. It was just the way he plays that role, we weren't getting anything from it. And when Byram came on, we got something different there. So I don't think he was unlucky. I think it was much more of a tactical thing. And I think that maybe he sees, maybe he also sees it as horses for courses with them t- with them too. And maybe he wanted to start Byram in this game or would have preferred to have started Byram in this game. And he'd maybe start Hielder in a, in a different game when he wants something different from his left back.
2: Dan, you got anything to add on Barham or Hielder, or should we move on?
0: Well, yeah, my view on my the ground was that oh, this is harsh on and he has been fine. Um, I do think he has held a little bit of fault for the second goal. I thought he was a little bit square, wasn't he? And Bowler ran around him a little bit. You know, perhaps he could have done better there. But yeah, generally speaking, I thought held was fine. My view was harsh. Um, but yeah, completely in hindsight, the way, the way that um, the tactical change that came with Barham it makes all the sense in the world. Um, you know, especially on the second watch back, which I've done this afternoon. I was like, yeah, that
2: made, that made total sense. So, yeah.
0: No, no, no arguments from
2: me. Yep, nor me. Yep. Um, of the next fullback, then. So, Luke Ailing, he's been singled out by fans due to his involvement or his perceived involvement, depending on you, what your <laughs> perspective is, in the conceded goals. Um. So, Dan, what did you make of Ayling's performance?
0: I was like, I was like everybody else coming out the ground. Oh, Ayling's finishes for, <laughs> fuck him, get rid of him, throw him out. But actually, on on the watchback, um, yeah. It was basically the first goal, and, and he, he essentially followed Ramsey, didn't he? He followed Ramsey a little bit too much. It was almost Bielsa-like, wasn't it? Like he was man-marking and going too far. Yeah. And he should have... His big mistake was realising that Nonto, who was in the right-wing position, wasn't tracking O'Dowd the left wing back. And he should have he should have twigged and then just, just settled back into a shape and passed Ramsey on, and we'd have probably got away with it. So I think Nonto gets some blame for not tracking O'Dowd. But Aileen also should, should have been aware that Nonto, like, you know... Scratching his bum and not watching his markers, they're not watching his runner. So I kind of think it's a joint Nonto and and an alien fault. And I, but I think the, the way the system works is our right back is going to be high and we're going to get caught up there. All it's just going to be it's just a cost of doing business the way Fark does business. I think you know we, we're going to we're going to get caught in that right back position with whoever's at right back pushing up. So it's going to happen. So I just think we've got to be really sharp about our I guess our rest defense and you know and who's covering those spaces and just be a bit sharper on that front. So like on watch back I was much happier with Ailing than I was in the ground. So it's one of those emotional responses was like, no, he's rubbish, but actually on watchback, he was fine. And actually he was quite, you know, apart from a few annoying offside runs, he actually had a pretty good game in, in attack, I would say. Second half, he combined nicely with Pervader late on and that kind of thing. So it's, it's one of those where the watchback, it wasn't quite so disastrous.
2: There was a question for one of our patrons, actually, um, asking... Uh, The first goal, so this is Wiggy, one of our patrons. So the first goal was deja vu from last year, but our system has changed. So is the system still the problem or is Bill the problem? So, Dan, you've kind of given your answer to that. So, Posty, what do you make of that one?
3: Yeah, I think you watch, I think as I was nodding vigorously as Dan was saying, there needs to be some blame on Nyonto as well for that, for ball watching basically and not tracking Odalda. But again, Ailing should pick that up. And I think there's, I think Ailing. Doesn't trust his defence weirdly as well with the cutback. He kind of overshoots. He does stop it going across the six yard box instead of trying to stop the ball to the penalty spot. And I think that that's obviously where the ball in the end went. Um, and you can give credit to Odawa for not for noticing that maybe. But yeah, I think there was something in that too. Is it the system or is it Bill? It depends if he's been asked to track Ramsey that tightly, which he could have been, and because it's Ramsey. And so he's kind of his best player. Um, so you can't, you can't blame that. Uh, but yeah, but then you, like you said, you're then exposing that right back area. Overall, his performance for me, yeah, I, I didn't, like I said, I watched after I saw all the comments. I saw a lot of people blaming him and saying that he, he was terrible and he's done. And I thought this isn't a bad game. Yeah, he's made, made this one error, but you know, I linked up with Somerville and Grey really, really well at the start in that first half got forward nicely, just felt like I was asking the same questions as last season, as we were last season, is his upside in attack? Is it worth the downside that he has defensively at the moment? And last season, obviously, we all said, uh, no, we need to find a solution if we stay up. But we thought in the Championship, we'd be okay. And that appears to be wrong at this point, I'd probably say, if we were going to concede goals due to his defensive errors.
2: Yeah, it's he's, he's one of those, isn't it, where I'd, I don't think... I'd, I would agree that we probably don't want him as a, a starting right-back. I think from what we've seen like definitely last season and probably what we saw on Sunday. But as a, a backup to Drame, or it may, may even end up being a, a backup to Byron, potentially, you don't you don't know. Um, I think he's fine. He can cover right-centre back as well. So I don't think it's a case of dropping him and never seeing him again. I just think I don't want to be relying on Luke Ayling for a 46-game season. One thing in Drami's
0: favor is is he's, he's, he's played more wing back, but he's got great recovery pace. If you ever watched it, I watched him a little bit for Luton last year, and he was quite high and wide, and he gets back really well. So I think, like I said, I said before, that the Fark system, the cost of doing business with that, with the way he plays, is there's going to be gaps at right back. But we can mitigate that with with a really quick recovering right back like Drami. So I would hope Drami gets gets fit and now's that spot down. I think it would be less of an issue. It'll still always be an issue, but less of an issue with him
2: with Ailing as well. I think. Um... On, on Sunday, it felt like, obviously, the first half of the two conceded goals, he felt quite a negative performance. And then second half, I think a lot of us felt quite positive about his performance.
1: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. You have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host.
2: Was that that a case of like, similar to what we um, spoke about in the previous question? Like, was it because Cardiff set off so he can like bomb on as we know he can do and like do those interchanges? Or was there actually something that he was doing differently? Uh, Dan, do you want to take that one?
0: I don't think there was a difference, to be quite frank. I, I, I wondered about Archie Gray kind of covering him a little bit more cautiously second half um, at times. But no, I don't think there's a great deal of difference. I just don't think... I think the momentum was over Leeds and Cardiff just didn't really have an opportunity to, to exploit him. So I don't think there's a massive difference, to be honest. Tactically, not, not
2: anyway. That's fair enough. Anyone got anything else want to say about Luke Ayling, Or should we move on to the next question?
3: No, let's talk. Let's talk about a seventeen-year-old now.
2: Yep. Well, <laughs> someone who was he was, he was in the full-back area, so we get, we're getting there. Uh, so yeah, Archie Gray, as Hosty's hinted to, so he's uh, one of the the good stories to come from the game on Sunday. So Hosty, what what was it that Gray did well in that game?
3: For me, it was just how he lo- he looked like he's that wasn't his debut. Basically, it looked like he he just looked really comfortable. Sure, there were a few errors, but you know we've we've spoken about every player on the pitch as has made errors in a game, you're never gonna have a one hundred percent everything. And yeah, like like we said, he dropped into that right back area for build up really well. He got himself about the pitch physically and didn't look at like to say he was seventeen out when he uh went over to when he went over to take that corner and he raised I was just like, hang on, this kid's seventeen. Like he, <laughs> I was like he's built better yeah. than me. Um yeah. so yeah, no, he was just he was just really good and that was the first time I've properly watched him. I reckon. Um, yeah, he just was, he looked really comfortable. And yeah, that, that, that's all I can really say. Like, there, there was nothing properly that I can pick apart.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I'd I, I feel completely the same. It's probably the first time I've watched him properly. And it was like just quite a, a nice watch, really, wasn't it? Like, he didn't, he just did everything all right. There wasn't any huge blunders, but he just felt like he there was. There were some really confident there, passes is... as
3: well. Like, he didn't look scared for, to make those passes. He was just like, oh, this is the pass I need to make. I'm making it. And that, that was just, re- that was just yeah. really good
2: to see. Yeah, which is mad considering his age, considering like I can't look after myself and I'm <laughs> well well older than him. Uh, Dan, what, what about you? What, what do you make of great so, performance?
0: I loved it. I mean, I've watched a bit of the 21s and I've always seen him as a, like an attacking eight, you know, kind of attacking midfielder, really. Um, I'm just really pleased with how he was in kind of deep positions and getting involved in like the first receiver and build up. Like it just kind of shows he's got much more complete round performance uh, profile there hey adam if you're listening um so yeah just just such a super super really really good performance i mean just like like how's this kid 17 like the way he plays like it was up against a couple of uh pretty kind of gnarly kind of center mid winter and roll rolls i think you know um really kind of gnarly old man you know like midfielders that were trying to kick him and knock him around and he just stood, stood his ground didn't he fantastically and actually dominated them at times it's just, yeah, I just think we've got a, a super talent here. We just have to be really careful with him, don't we? That's, that's going to be the thing. Look after him.
2: Yeah. Well, so with that then, Dan, would you would you be happy to rely on him as potentially a starter throughout a league season or are you still thinking get a player in that well, can sort of take some minutes, well, effectively start and then bring him on or or what?
0: I absolutely think we can rely on him Like if he's in the team. I've got no qualms about him playing against anybody in that division. Like in terms of his ability, but I do think we should buy somebody in to rotate because you got to think of his like his long term burnout and and, and his, you know and getting knocks and you know and, like I say he's seventeen. If if we play him, run him into the ground, he might you know he might fade and it might have long term impact. So I think we can rely on him, but we shouldn't. It's probably the right way of saying it. Yeah, what do yeah, you I said
3: hosting? the exact same. I have a group chat and um, before I did the watch long, I mean, sent a list of his points. Uh, he's it wasn't Glenn um, and one of his points was Archie Gray should be in the starting 11, and I kind of just, I was like, yeah, I've watched it now, and yeah, he he could be in the starting 11, but I wouldn't want to with him being 17, and you need to know like, exactly what Dan's saying, there's no point in my repeating, but yeah, it's we can rely on him, but we shouldn't have to, is the is the issue.
2: Yep, yeah, I completely agree with both of you on that one. Um, we, we had a f- one sort of question around Archie Gray, Um, I guess it's not more of a Gray thing, it's more related to where Gray was doing, so he was like dropping into the fullback areas. But and I can't remember who asked this on the Discord, so apologies. But uh, did did Gray dropping into that right back area make it easier for uh, Cardiff to null, null, null meh, for Cardiff to nullify Ampadu as an outlet? Uh, Dan, do you want to take this one? I don't think Cardiff did nullify
0: Ampadu, so I just didn't see that. I thought Ampadu was pr- pretty dominant. And I thought um, there were. Gray and who dominated the centre mid battle really, or certainly did second half, and that's probably part of why um, you know they were just they was super physical dominant and, and they were just really good at kind of recovering the ball, weren't they, and you know winning the ball and, and attacking it again. So no, I, I, I kind of I don't uh, accept the premise of the
2: question. If you like, that's fine. You can do that. I
0: Hostie, guess. What about you?
3: Where um, I think it was Neil who asked this question, and I guess where yep. he was coming from was potentially the difference in what you were saying earlier regarding the directness of Ampadu at first so in the first half obviously he was mm. going he was playing very uh, horizontal passes and then second half he was a bit more vertical um and i wonder if because of the dominance that we had on the ball we didn't see gray dropping into right back as much due to that dominance true it yeah. did seem at times if, if from watch back remembering that it was just Creswell and Strouk at, like on the halfway line most of the time and everyone else was filling in certain areas. You've spoken about Gray driving with the ball a bit more centrally. And yes, yeah, so I wonder if that's just where that perception has come that Gray dropping into right back nullify, allowed Cardiff to nullify Amadou. when really I think it was more that Cardiff dropping off just meant that Ampadu could do different things and Gray could do different things.
2: Yeah. Anything else anyone wants to say on Gray? No. Let's talk about the attack then. So uh, the, it's mainly the the, the front four. In in general here, but so Leeds lined up with Dan James on left wing, Sinister centrally, Somerville from the right, and onto up front. So with the, with the attack in general, then, Hosty, what what did you make of the way we attacked Cardiff?
3: It was obviously we've seen uh, if you haven't seen it already, listeners, have a look. Is it John and Johnny Cooper who's shared the stats bomb graphic? of the yeah, pass map I think so yeah we don't have that many passes into the area so the way that we did was a lot of it was through carries I think we had quite a decent amount of carries out of the numbers at carries into the box size Um, I don't have the numbers at hand and yeah it worked you know we, we had chances but we 100% lack the we, we lack that other option so it was very one dimensional in that first half it was players making the same runs I think we have we, we don't have that question. Oh yeah, we do have something about where Sinny was. But yeah, he was coming very deep and trying, he was trying to drive from deep in that 10-roll. And obviously it's going to be an issue again, this question's coming up regarding teams sitting back um, against us. But yeah, it was well, you could see we were trying to do stuff but we just didn't have that bit of conviction at the end it was how, how it was for me and that's why we didn't get the ball into the box enough through through passing and why we relied on uh,
2: why we relied on carries? Dan, would you kind of agree then that like we missed a striker or a, pro- a proper out and out striker then?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Fark said that himself, didn't he? His, his post match interview um, that yeah, there were, there were moments where we could cross in, but we realised they were up against big centre backs, and it was you know it's really non as the target, so it's just it just it was just a non-starter really. Um, I mean, we did have a good number of touches in the penalty box. I saw a stat that flashed up on the on the game on the Sky coverage about the number of. Um, touches in the box. I forget the actual number, but it was quite high. So it wasn't that we weren't getting into dangerous positions. and, and ooh, But it was, yeah, like you say, it was carries, wasn't it, rather than passes. Um, but certainly, yeah, I just think just somebody that can run on the shoulder and and, and kind of move the centre-backs around probably it would probably help the likes of Nontel, wouldn't it, in Sinisteria, because it would like generate space for those guys to run into from behind. And we didn't really have that. So they were more often running into a packed area, whereas, you know, a, a good striker might just drag them drag drag defenders around a bit and just make a little bit of bit of space for people to run into. So certainly, yeah.
2: There was, um, we've had a question on Patreon from Dave McNutt, um, and he asked, what were your thoughts on Nonto as the central striker with Sinisteria behind? So I'm going to start with Nonto, because you, you've kind of touched on it already. So what did you make of Nonto in, in general in this game, Dan?
0: I quite liked him actually as as a striker. I thought his hold holder play was pretty good. I mean obviously he can't play the ball to him in the air, but when he receives the ball, obviously like you know, if he's back to goal, he holds it, doesn't he? And he lays it off well. So I I think he was okay, but the problem is is he wants to roam, doesn't he? He wants to go out on the wing and, and he doesn't kind of play in that middle middle third, in that middle vertical third, if you like. Uh, the width for the, the penalty box. And I think we needed some of that against Cardiff. Someone that was just gonna hold that kind of middle middle area and, and just he just doesn't do that. So <laughs> I Quite like the idea of Nonto as a 10 behind a striker, but not as a striker. And Nonto can have that freedom to roam and combine with the wingers and the fullbacks and all that kind of stuff from the 10. But I just think we need someone just to hold position. Um, and he doesn't do that. But generally speaking, considering his his skill set, I thought he did okay and I thought he held the ball up for reasonably well when it wasn't aerial when it was played up to him, played, played to his
2: feet. Yeah, I'd completely agree with that. And I'd, yeah, I would definitely be one that I'd. One to see if we manage to keep Nanto into the season. That I think yeah. I'd probably see him as the ten long term, because yeah. um, he can dribble into the box that he likes, or he can move out to the wing, which he, again he also likes. So he's, I think, it would just suit his game more. And he's kind of like, what well, he kind of thrived last year when he was always given a bit of a free roll to just do what he he thought was best. And I guess that was down to a lack of tactics in the team as well. Um, but I think yeah, that that ten role would suit him better than. Playing up front, which, I've, despite the fact that I think he did play well against Cardiff in general, um, Hostie, what about you? What did you make of yeah, Monto? Um,
3: like we said, I, I thought he held up the ball really well, but the issue was he wasn't making those runs in behind too often. So I, I can think of two moments when he did it, which was when he had that shot which went wide to the left, and then the one which I think was overhit by Somerville. Um, so were, those were two times when we could have done we've seen that a bit more. Now maybe maybe that was also down to Cardiff dropping off eventually um, but yeah he, I thought he had a good game um, and I agree I see him as a 10 I think I wanted to see last season kind of him at 10 and Somerville on a wing or vice versa because them two do seem to be able to just like really link up really well and we saw that all, all four even Dan James like did quite well at the link-up play between each other in that form they were quite rotational they swapped positions and were quite fluid in that sense but it was kind of too fluid they were all doing it too much and no one was holding like Dan mentioned no one was holding that central position and so there was one moment actually where Aylin gets the ball out wide on the right and they all kind of do the same pace run so nobody's attacking the front post or attacking the back post at pace to pull defenders they're all kind of just jogging in to be the pullback option because that's what they all kind of have done their whole career and they're not used to making those darting runs into certain spaces to create space for them to be that pullback option. And yeah, that, that was the sort of thing that we were missing.
2: Yeah. Uh, let, let's move on to the second part of Dave's question then. So uh, this is about Sinistero playing centrally. So so for, uh, for me, I wasn't a fan of him receiving the ball as a 10 personally. I just I don't think it suits his skill set. I think I much prefer him receiving the ball on the left and cutting in or, and I don't think he's the sort of player that suits it on the turn and then going. I think that just, it just doesn't suit what his natural game is. But H- Hostie, what about you? What do you make of that one?
3: Yeah, I think I prefer him on the wings as well. But that's more because I prefer him receiving it higher up the pitch. Um, he was there, there was one moment, I think it was when I actually read this question and then I saw it happen in the game where he picked it up around uh, about the centre circle, turned and had eight players in front of him. And I was like, okay, this isn't this isn't where we want to have to have Sinister in the middle of the pitch, eight players in front of him, having to pick someone. You want him to be that flare player taking on a full coming inside, bamboozling defenders that way, getting them on the back foot. Um so yeah, I, I wasn't the biggest fan of it. I don't think he's bad at it though. I just think that he I, I think he's a lot no, I, I think would, he's a lot yeah, better I elsewhere. Yeah, I'd agree.
0: Yeah, I think partly to do with his athletic profile. He's not particularly explosive, he? And I think when you've got like Nanto, who's quite explosive, he's it's, it's, it's better in traffic, isn't he? Whereas Sinisterra's off the side. He's just he, he's got a quite a good. He shifts the ball really well, doesn't he, on his right side and, and buys himself space and time. And then his execution and his decision making is really good. Probably the strongest in, in that 4 forward line. Sinisterra. So I just think if you put him on that left side, you kind of you you, you give him the space and time to do what he's good at and. And if you play Nonto centrally and you've got some of it on the side, they can do that kind of really like fun combination play they do more often off-the-cuff stuff, which kind of suits those two. So I just feel like you're getting the best of those talents in those positions, really, I would say. So, yeah, my ideal would be get Sinistera back over on the left-hand side uh, and, and Nonto centrally and just kind of maximise their, their physical traits as well as their like, technical traits. And I guess the other thing is, is the angles, the way he strikes the ball, Sinistera suits from the right-hand side as well. So that's another thing I think you know they're kind of cutting in and curling the ball towards the goal from that kind of right side sorry left side of the penalty box you know his right foot I think really suits him as well I think he'll pick up goals that way this season if he gets the opportunity to do that that moves us
2: nicely onto our next question then which is from uh, Richard of one of our patrons so he asks any thoughts on who is our best 11 considering we have four left wingers in the squad and he, he wrote them down for us as Sinny, Nonto, James and Harrison so I'm not too bothered about the best eleven, but those front four positions, down, What what would you make of those going forward?
0: If if we keep everybody, everybody's fit. Sinistera, Nonto, Somerville behind probably Rutter at the moment. Um, that would be my four. Um, I just think you know the the best three players in our team probably are Sinistera, onto and, and Somerville. Put them in their best positions, you know, and, and just let them let them cook. Really, is is the, is the point I would make. Um, more than happy to see Pervader and get minutes on the right and and. And even Dan James, I thought Dan you know did okay yesterday, and and Jack Harrison, who knows if he stays or not. But yeah, that's what I would do.
2: I would agree. What about you, Austin?
0: No,
3: one hundred percent agree. That's about it. Yeah, yeah,
0: I yeah. Mean, that's fine. Yeah, happy to see Nonto back in the wing again. Now and again, he was good in left wing. You know, as the system, you know, as the season goes on. But yeah, yeah. I 10. think
3: I'm, I think it's yeah, that case of if they're all available as well at the same time.
2: Yeah. yeah, or if they stay, if we get if we get the choice to do it again, and yeah, like Harrison's a weird one. I don't I don't know what's going to happen there because it doesn't sound like there's a not a lot of noise about him leaving. But so he, he might factor into this decision making at some point as well. It's
3: also, yeah, it's also going to be interesting when we consider we've not really seen Farky use an out and out left winger or right winger. There seem to be players who want to come inside. So it'll be interesting to see where he would play Harrison. Um, yeah, maybe off Which the right. We've all said we don't quite like Harrison doing, but maybe he maybe it gives. The width that kind of Byron provides on the left. So if you actually have Hielder, maybe Harrison provides that bit of balance on the left with Hjelda coming inside and sitting. Takes me
0: takes me back to the the promotion season when Dallas was our left back and he used to invert quite a lot, didn't he? And kind of make inside team runs and Harrison was the, held the width on the right. on on the left, should I say? So yeah, you might see that back, mightn't you?
2: Last question on the attack then. So this is from Paul, and he asks: Is the opposition sitting back likely? Um, is, uh, is the opposition sitting back likely going to be something that we're going to have to put up with th- this season? Presuming it is, what's our best tactic for overcoming it? Dan, do you want to take this one?
0: Yeah, well, I, I mean, the big problem is the lack of a centre forward, isn't it? Um, and uh, so we had the, the, the three that play behind the striker for Fark are generally fairly narrow, aren't they? One of the wingers occasionally goes wide, so I think we're going to come across um, pack boxes quite a lot. So I'm kind of wondering is do we have to be try and be patient and try and draw plays out and can kind I of get those artificial transitions going, you know? So is it like, you know, instead of horseshoeing round, do we play it back again and try and draw them out and then go quick back in again? So I wonder if that's something we'll have to do or have to see a lot of, and you know, the fans might get frustrated with it. If we kind of playing back to our center halves again to then generate a transition, but, um, to, to kind of counter it, I thought when we were successful yesterday in the second half, it was moments where someone turned, Ampedu turned, or or even or Sinistera or, or, or some people turned and, and broke the line and then fed the fullback who was overlapping at that point. So we have to kind of I guess, I guess we have to like pick our moment and then go and all go you know, and all go really quickly. Um, uh, like at unison. So we can't just be, you know, if we just, if we end up just shoehorring, like horseshoeing the ball around side to side, we'll just get nowhere. So I guess, I guess it's just going to be about bringing the ball out and then, and then turning and going back again, almost that's going to have to be the the approach. I mean, one thing looking at the XG yesterday was the, the, we had a lot of shots for a lot of, uh, a lot of single figure XG, a lot of, you know, 0.03, eight, 0.8 that kind of thing. And that's, that's what's going to happen when you're hitting a pack box. Um, and we don't really have people that take quick early shots. So I hope that's something to do. <laughs> rectifying the transfer market before the end of the season. Joel Perot.
2: <laughs> yeah, fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, yeah. He's, what, what was he, 15 million? Tyler Adams, 20 million? That's yeah. in my yeah. head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you've got 5 million spare for our, our Greek centre-back that I'm not going to say again.
3: The fact that we've got players who can carry the ball can be dangerous for packed opposition. Um, so I think that's another way, is just getting the players on to get at the defenders push them back, force them into their own area, force them into making a choice whether to challenge or to hold. Um, I think that's the way which probably isn't utilised a lot within football as a whole at the moment. A lot of it is talking about pulling players around, like how Dan's suggestion was, um, and trying to play through that block in a way. But yeah, I think I think we've got the players, especially if they stay, again, like we were saying, but Somerville, Sinister, and Jontor all can carry well into the box and and Perveda as well. He's, he's obviously uh, an, another one of my Twitter call-outs of possibly having a, a redemption arc this season, so yeah, I think that's another way of how we can get around it.
2: Cool. I'm going to bring the Cardiff review to a close then, unless anyone's got anything else they want to add? Nope, I'll take your silence as that's it then. So, there is a game on Wednesday, but as the Prince of all on me, Darren Driver, said, cup football isn't real football, so we're not going to discuss it in too much detail, but the, the only thing I will ask you guys is, one, do you think Fark will take it seriously? And two, do you think we'll see plenty of changes from the game? So, i will come back to you.
3: I really don't know if he's going to take it... Oh, say take it seriously. It's whether he sees it as being another game that can help his team understand his ways. So, maybe he goes strong early yeah. on Um, in that way. The bit which actually has disappointed me most is that Byram did come on yesterday, and so couldn't make his second debut in the exact same competition against the exact same team as he made his first debut. Um, That, that would have been just a nice full circle for me. Um, But yeah, I, I've no idea how many changes he'll make. Like I said, it I think it depends. I think we're probably going to see Treswell and Strike start at centre-back. I think that makes sense. We probably would have seen Drammy, but he's possibly still injured, we think. So then, doesn't really leave you with much. It leaves you with starting Byram at the back, and then Maybe J B starts, but who knows. Yeah. And then the front four basically it's either the front four that finished or the front four that started again. Yeah. i imagine you yeah. see Pervader. Like you Pervaders and he brought on Perkins, didn't he? And Yeah.
2: yeah. Don't forget Cal Gadalo. Yeah, we'll be- yeah, Cal Gadala. Cal Darl- probably Darl- Darl- Yeah, He'll be playing, yeah. See
0: yeah, I, I think I think no, he won't take it seriously. I think T will see <laughs> uh, B will see a lot of changes. I mean I'm expecting, you know, Shackleton to get a game. J B and Bait probably, um Pervader. I think he thinking put heel back in to try and, you know, like, I guess give him a chance to get some more minutes. So, yeah, yeah, I think it's going to be quite a bit of changes. There'll probably be a couple of the senior guys. I mean, we've got no choices at centre-back, have we, unless... Unless he really goes with the youth and picks, you know, Montero or um, Mullen or someone. But I'd, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I think he'll go with Stroke and Creswell. But I hope he wraps Ampadu in cotton wool. I hope he wraps Archie Gray in cotton wool. I hope he wraps Sinister and Somerville in cotton wool. And otherwise he can, you know, that's, that's, that's my hope.
2: Yep. Yeah. And that's all we're gonna talk about the Shrewsbury game. So that's that's all you're getting, folks. Sorry. Right. So I'm a bit of a Patreon plug now. So once again, thank you to everyone that's signed up since we relaunched. We really appreciate the support. As as we mentioned at the start, Martin is going to put our get together for the new centre back potential new centre back. Let's see potential new potential new centre back Pantelis Chatzi Diakos. Um which you, if you sign up to the Pablo tier, which is the top tier, you'll be able to get that one along with any additional pods and articles we'll put out throughout the season. So if that sounds like something you'd be interested in, then you can go to patreon.com forward slash or A-S-A-W, Patreon. The Birmingham Review, if you are listening to this on the Patreon, is probably out already because we're going to record it in about 15 minutes' time, in our actual time. Um, and if you're not on the Patreon, it'll be out later in the week on the free stream as normal. We will be back next week with a review of the Birmingham game and a preview of the West Brom game where we're hoping to get in our first opposition fan preview of the season. So that's something to look out for. But until then, I'll say thank you to Hostie. Thank you. Thank you to Dan. Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you all for listening and have a great week. Bye.